Thanks for listening to the Pro Video Podcast. Weekly insights into everything video. Here's the host, Blair Walker. Hi everyone and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. On the show we've got Rachel Kopp. She's a VFX producer for Ash vs. Evil Dead. We talk about what the role of a VFX producer is, as well as all the tools that they're using on the show. And like future episodes coming up, we're diversifying who we're talking to. This is ranging across everybody creating professional video content. Some people have asked me, why is the title of the show the Pro Video Podcast? The reason is... I needed to find a title that encapsulated all the things that we can do in this industry. So it might be motion design, which we've done a lot of recently. It might be visual effects. It might be color grading, editing, onset DIT, the role of a director, DOP, producers, sound, audio, all these things. So Pro Video was the title that I came up with that I felt covered everything. With that, let's go to the interview now with Rachel Kopp, VFX producer. Hi, Rach, and welcome to the Pro Video Podcast. Thanks for coming on the show today. Hi, Blair. Thanks for having me. Rach, do you mind taking a few minutes and telling the audience what your role is currently, what your background in the industry is, and the projects that you've been working on? Okay. At the moment, I am the VFX producer for Ash vs. Evil Dead, and we're in season three, and I've been involved for last season and this season. And we run a... A team out of DigiPost basically and we've got six vendors across Auckland and we try and keep all of our post VFX work in or in New Zealand and both mainly in Auckland so yeah I've been doing that for this yeah my second year yeah so your role on the show is is VFX producer so I am I come on board at the start and with the supervisor we go through and break down the scripts and uh, do the planning and we have a team of uh, our onset team so there'll be a VFX supervisor for main unit and second unit and this year we had a data wrangler and uh, which was fantastic she's a brilliant photographer and photogrammetry we love photogrammetry on our show and we then have our post team with a VFX editor and assistant and coordinator. And yeah, is <laughs> the process that we go through. Um, so it's quite busy when we're in shooting phase, which is the shooting phase is just about to wrap. And we'll go into a strict post phase after that. So even though they're wrapping on episode 10 this week, we're only up to episode 2 in our world and the post was. Right, and when will, um, so at the moment we're in June, when will the post wrap up for the show? Uh, we're planning early October, and yeah, so that will takes a big chunk of my year, it's the only job I did last year and will be the only one I do this year. It's quite full on when you're working 10 hour days with, and yeah, it's quite busy. Yeah. What's the balance between working on set or working at the post facilities? I really like working on set and seeing that it's quite a big show. There's like a lot going on. So seeing all the different departments come together and have, you know, the art department's fantastic and they do this brilliant work on their sets and come, that comes together with prosthetics and their creature work and um, then specials with all their 
blood and guts and bits that fly around and it's great being on set and seeing that all come together when a lot of the time a lot of my past work I've been just sitting in the in the post process where you get the asset and you're like oh what do you do with this it's like why did they do it that way because it's so much going on on the day that you just get what you get in the end but it's quite exciting you get a, a, a new appreciation being on set of how much they have to jam into a day's shoot. Yes, and it's just what what works, what doesn't work. You can plan all you like, but sometimes it just doesn't. On the day, it doesn't go, and we that's where VFX helps out quite a bit. Yeah. So you're a VFX producer. Is there a VFX supervisor on set as well that you're working with? Uh, we have our Tim Cap is our overall. VFX supervisor who is across all of what's going on with the different effects that we plan and then on set we've got uh, this year Sam Scott who is our second unit supervisor and we had Ricky as our main unit and they look after the day to day running of shots So a show like this would be quite VFX heavy? Yeah a bit <laughs> Just a tad <laughs> Just a tad No no VFX at all It's all real It's all, <laughs> all in camera It's all in camera <laughs> Yeah yeah. Fix it in pre-prod Yeah <laughs> That's the way Just Sit around doing nothing all day Because it runs smoothly So what would the typical type of shots be That you'll be working on I suppose every, every show is going to have different challenges But is there a, a variety of shots That you've come to know Will be coming up uh, well, the main creature shots, like you'll see our deadites and they have a certain amount of augmentation uh, and then there's always just a little bit of help on putting shots together, comping in different aspects. Can't talk too much about it. No, no, no we I won't get, myself in, <laughs> I get myself into trouble. Keep it general. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bits and pieces. Yeah, so is the filming of this in um, HD? Um, we're going 4K this 4K. year, yeah, yeah, which is interesting in the post-process. We're finding it a bit harder to deal with. We'll just, yeah, there's a bit more processing in the 4K. Mastering 4K. Yeah. Yeah. So suddenly um, makeup and prosthetics really, really shows the detail yeah. in that work. Yeah, which is great for tracking. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. Hadn't thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Always looking for those nice little contrast points to lock onto. Yep. And, yeah, we're finding with new trackers at the moment that it's quite – you don't need so many tracking markers as such. And this, you get a lot more detail out of what's on screen. Yeah, cool. Are you using um, planar tracking much or is it still mostly um, point tracking? I can't tell you the answer so of that. Yes. With my <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, it's mainly outsourced to our vendors. We've got right. – um, we work with, I think, four big houses here. DigiPost run a team for us and Cause and Effects and a few others. Yeah. Yeah. Cause and Effects have had a bit of a history of um, DigiPost as well. With, yes. Um, the guys coming from there originally way back. Yeah, and a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of old um, Spartacus blood lying <laughs> around. So, yeah. Awesome. So what sort of tools have been used in the post process for VFX? Software and software. We're Nuke based. Yeah. Solely, we prefer to work in Nuke, and I don't know. There's a bit of bit of Houdini going cool. on. Um, 
I'm not too sure about what the vendors are using specifically for different types of shots. They've got each vendor has a different workflow and process, so the different. Yeah. Um, not MS Paint anyway. Get <laughs> out, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, now, Houdini, that's become the software of choice in the last few years with a number of um, 3D facilities. Is Maya still a feature as a tool set or is it really sort of dropped off a bit? Uh, it depends on your background. Mm. As you know, I came from Maya, then I had got into C4D, but I learned Lightwave to start with. So um, it's, I mean, each program's good for their own reasons, but, you know, the user gets their choice. So I think we've got one that works in 3ds Max. We've got one in Lightwave, uh, not Lightwave, sorry. Uh, one in couple in Maya. Uh, we use Capturing Reality a lot. Mm-hmm. It's really I love that workflow of taking the prosthetic what and what they've created, and we do photogrammetry of the bits and pieces that they've made, and then put them through Capturing Reality, which is amazing bit of software and pull that into, you know, whichever one program we want. So um, that piece of software is creating geometry based off these photographs and texturing it with the same um, images. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is uh, some cool technology that's really come to become production really in the last few years. Yeah. Uh, I think Autodesk was very early on in the game, um, had some tools which was even available for mobile apps with um, XYZ or something like that, yeah. which is all good for some types of materials, but if you've got reflective, quite reflective, not yeah, so much. Yeah, you can get away with a bit of dulling spray, you yeah. know, and sometimes it's generic objects. that. So if you've got a mirror and you know that that's there, you can cover it up. Windows, you can cover up that aspect and get the rest of it. We've done a bit of set photogrammetry as well, which turns out amazing, like capturing cool. what the lighting setup is and, yeah. That's awesome. What sort of other material are you capturing on set? I'm thinking back in the day we had the chrome balls and the oh, gray yeah. balls. Yep, the uh, we don't. 360 so HDRs now, is it? Well, we do. We have full. Uh, do do full HDRIs when we know we've got a CG asset. We've got a little Rico Blast that we do a cool. lot of 360, just like because we can get in there really quick and do a full bracketed set and out again without disturbing the workflow too far too much. And got colour cards that we do for photogrammetry um, and the old grey ball that goes out. <laughs> We've got specially made a couple of grey balls this, this season. But, yeah. 18% is it? 16. <laughs> 16. <laughs> yeah. Oh, how things change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, I've got some of those chrome balls in my office and creatives especially always like oh these are cool what are they and it's like okay well yeah (laughs) yeah back in the day yeah yeah they work pretty well so i'm just also wondering the cameras and the formats that are being shot how much of an impact are they on your workflow are they using the same type of cameras across all the different shots um i'm no we're using the re and i think that's just across the board cool yeah it's such a good camera, such yeah. great imagery. It's a real favourite with so many people. Um, also, your role, what are the other aspects of your role that people might not realise a VFX producer on a long-form show would do? Because a lot of listeners 
producer can mean so many, many different, different things. things. And because I'm based um, solely VFX, so there's a lot of production things that I don't know, and I'm not, I don't have a production background either. So a lot of that's been quite new to me over the last couple of seasons. But I can't really answer that one. I was like, oh, the different. I do a lot of organising, and I organise just anything at that moment. You need to get props from one place to another place. Make sure that your on sets have got the shots that they're working on. Got you know, it's just a lot of organising while they're on set, and then in the post world, it's talking to a lot of people all of the time, you vendors and reviewing shots we spend you know three months in a dark room window shut just looking at your tv yeah so is there any particular software you're using for the review and the tracking of the shots uh this year we started using shotgun nice yeah must be a huge benefit implementing that it is i tried to get it last season but it's actually even in between the seasons that Shotgun's improved itself and it's been, um, I find it really helpful being able to view all the shot data and all the shot information with the imagery, whereas yeah. my FileMaker database, I couldn't view the videos. So when like working out your pricing and what needs to be done on the shot and finding the wires and that kind of thing was yeah, a bit harder without having my editor or having the quick times of the, each shot, which there, you know, there's up to 120 sometimes shots in a in a each episode. episode right. Yeah. And what is wire? What is the wire? Oh, wire removals from. Oh, wire removals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So removing like removing bits of filament and wire from stunties or from props. Yeah. Cool. Um, I'm thinking that. A lot of your role is to look at these different shots and price them up for the different vendors of what they're going to cost. Are there set different brackets that shots will fall into, like a ABC, or is it literally like you're working out the man hours that each shot would take? Uh, you try and work out the man hours, but then there are, you know, you've got four frames sometimes that need fixing, and sometimes you've got 72 frames, so you know that there's, that there's a immediate price difference and then it depends on what the effect is you're applying and that's whether you're comping or adding CG objects or yeah just it's so diverse what you can be doing to a shot that yeah so um, the the estimate versus the reality yeah in our game it's always a bit of a hard one to fully fully scope is that something over time becomes easier to know what the real price is going to end up being? It does, but then you, you know, we look at the shot and estimate it, but it, you don't know until the vendor gets in there and breaks it down and goes, okay, well, this roto, you know, took this long. And so, but you've, it's a, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, yeah. you know, it's a, a sort of a balancing act. I think everybody across the whole industry can appreciate but, that. Yeah, and it's, you know, and if you've got a, a more experienced person who could do it faster, they might cost yeah. more, where if you've got a, a learner or an intermediate, you, they'll be a bit slower, but they'll cost less. It's kind of, you know, you balance it out. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So at the moment, um, early on in the post process for the shows, 
Is it remain fairly steady throughout, or does it really ramp up towards the end of the season when deliverables have to start shipping and the pressure mounts? Yes. Yeah, delivery time um, definitely is a lot tighter at the end of the season when you're getting... Because uh, you have um, more complex sequences to, you know, end your season on, so generally... But usually episode one's quite a big one because you're getting your your watches, like, into the show with, yeah. like, new... You're trying to hook them back in. Yeah, keep them <laughs> yeah. excited. You're back again, and it's going to be great. Remember this. Yeah, yeah. You missed stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, I'm just thinking the amount of data and um, tracking the data throughout the whole process from um, pre-production through to production to the post. Data Wrangler, you, you've got one for VFX this, this season, yeah. which must have made a huge impact on that process. It did, and it, it freed up the onset supervisors. You know, they didn't necessarily have to enter all their data all the time, and they had someone who was out there looking after them for the VFX heavy days because we can go for days with no VFX right. going on, and so it's just working out where our data wrangler was needed, and then it's getting all of those databases back because you can take the data, but you've got to get it back in a usable form with your slate information so you can match it all up. So, yeah, there's quite a bit, and there's a lot of reference taken on set as well. Yeah. For, yeah. And tracking all that reference to the shots that it was applied to. Your, to yeah, them. your slate and your take and your, yeah. yeah. And there's, a lot of it's redundant, but if you don't have it for certain shots, you're like, oh, damn, where is it? Yeah, it's just like backing up. Yeah. 99% of those backups you'll never touch. But if you don't have 100%, you'll be pretty sure that, that it's the that. one thing that you lose is the one you need. Yeah. Yeah. With that, um, is the archive and all of that handled by the post team? Is that pretty much in their domain of making sure that that's taken care of? Uh, we do. Yeah. We've got, you know, a dedicated server out at production, which is backed up. And then at DigiPost, we've got dedicated servers that get backed up as well. So have you found uh, year to year, now that this is um, you're on second season of the show, that the workflows are improving or is it is it pretty much that not a lot has changed in the way that you're approaching the shows? It's pretty much the same. We've got, yeah, the workflow that we've, we're on last year, we've just implemented again, um, just minor tweaks and fixes, different, like using shotgun this year instead of straight... FileMaker and that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. So you're coming to the show as someone with experience in visual effects in your career. So what were the roles that you had previously? Previously, I did a bit of work on Mahana um, for uh, one of the post houses who worked on that. And I found that that was actually my first sort of VFXy movie job I suppose but I forgot about all of the drama in between the VFX shots and I was like had a friend go oh I'm in that show and I was like no you're not I haven't seen you and then realised that there was you know an hour of the film I hadn't seen that had no VFX in it at all I was yeah. like oh yeah that bit stuff happens then I was like yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, we get caught up in what we're looking at. It's it's which it's a lot, <laughs> and yeah. to try and have a which is having a bigger picture needs to be part of the directing team because you you really couldn't handle it if you knew everything. Everything, else that was going. yeah. <laughs> Every department's got their own overview, I suppose. Yeah, yeah and yeah. keeps their bits together. And so it's only really at the rap party that you go. Oh, look at all these other people who are working on the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, you've also worked at a number of other um, facilities. I'm thinking of uh, La Luna. Yes, I did do a bit of time out at La Luna. The, um, it was pretty early on, and that's good 10 years ago now. I don't even know if you can... Wow. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, even longer, 10, 11 years maybe. Yeah. And after that you were doing a bit of freelancing as well? I did a bit of teaching at Media Design and then uh, went into 99 and I was a motion graphics artist at 99 for a long time before I went freelance. Yeah. A good chunk of Vodafone and Farmers ads were made by me, <laughs> but yeah. Well, we're making a lot of those Vodafone Yeah, now. yeah, the old Vodafone. Because yeah. <laughs> you've um, done some work for us in the past at FCB New Zealand. Yep, a couple of years ago now. Yeah. And then we've got some other projects we've done together as well. Yeah, we actually go way, way back. Way back. Way back. I actually pulled out um, the uh, moving boxes and pulled out a DVD copy of the Dr. Invisiablo music video. Mini music video. I was like, look at that, I've got a DVD. Wow. <laughs> Which was funny in itself. We even we had box DVDs of that. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did. And the um I thought about it, but the concept is quite relevant now for the holographic instruments with the whole rising of AR yeah. VR kind of Media and like you could actually have a VR game where you're playing those instruments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and you could have that whole. It'd be yeah, it's kind of interesting concept. Yeah, uh, Rachel and I both worked on a music video. I think it was my <laughs> second music video I'd ever worked on when I was starting out in the industry, and um, it was a collaborative project that we did in our free time. Mm. Um, Thanks so, to uh, images. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's the thing about working at a post facility is you've got all this gear and you've got young, passionate people wanting to make their own stuff. Yeah. Getting in after hours. Yeah. I remember a lot of long weekends and um, maybe a beer or two as well. Just one. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember um, the general manager actually calling us in on Monday morning um, and saying, now guys, uh, there's a few issues that I've got. And we're like, oh no, we're actually going to get raked over the coals finally. Oh yeah. thought we got away with it for so long because we were literally going around drinking the fridges dry. But um, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, I don't mind if you're here doing stuff on the weekend. And we're like, oh, here it comes. And he's like, do you mind just putting the bottles in the van? And we're like, yeah, 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 of course, sweet, no yeah. worries. And we're like. Wow, but thinking back, I think that they had a pretty good deal with how much we were being paid at that time. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> a, true. A few boxes <laughs> of beers, they're like, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was a good, good, good learning environment to be involved with. Like, yeah, a lot of trying things out. Yeah, that was when we were doing um, compositing on the flame, and we were doing um, all the CG elements. You and I in May. Yeah. Maya, Maya, Maya. I don't, Maya, I don't, I don't know. know. Potato, potato. Mm, yeah, <laughs> depends who you've been talking to. Yeah, 
And then we were doing the fun part of any project, the roto. Yeah, the which- roto. I, that's why I learned <laughs> roto and flame. That's the only time I've used flame. Uh, it was so painful because I was doing some of the roto and after effects because that was the tool I knew well. Yeah. And then... Um, I didn't know Flame, I was just doing... With the um, guitar hands, though, and all the blur and getting the, the motion, motion blur, blur on yeah. the fingers and then the drumsticks, which then had to be glowing drumsticks that had to be put back in. See, these projects are the ones that are burned into your brain forever because you 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 still visualize the shots. Oh yeah. Yeah, and how that how the different the drum kit like lit up. You did that. You wrote a script, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah with a the rig whole yeah, yeah. So that I could um do a drum hit and have it basically ripple Those nodes out. ripple around yeah. around the outside too, maybe? Yeah, I think I probably spent twice as long writing doing the rig and writing the scripts than if I just hand keyframed them, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's just faster to brute force keyframe. It is. We had all the time in the world, though. So Yeah, and all the drinks, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I learned so much from that. And I think that's a really key thing of um, if you are entering into the industry, is finding those passion projects to collaborate with others mm. on so that collectively you're motivating each other along. Because even then, it, it took almost a year for us to pull that together, I think. Yeah. Along with the shoot, I can't remember now. Yeah, yeah, so because um, there was a lot of other projects that I was working on at the same time in my day job. And work, yeah. Yeah. So do you have projects you work on now? Now that seemingly you're still in advertising for what I just heard on your podcast was 11 years. Yeah, 11 years at FCB New Zealand. It's um, when you when you got a good thing, you stick with it. Yeah. And uh, that company's been really awesome. So... I did you get do, a watch? I oh, yeah. no <laughs> ten year anniversary. Ten year anniversary. Um, we have a we have a club, the ten year club. Oh yeah, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So what happens is once you hit ten years, every year there's a really nice dinner that you go to. Oh yeah. And it was really fun and really cool. So I'm looking forward to this year's one with all the all the new ten year club members. All right, so there'll be a few now. <laughs> yeah, there will be because um, yeah, the company's been going really strong for for the last decade. Um, personal projects. Well, this is one. Yeah, <laughs> the whole podcast. The whole podcast. I didn't realize how much would be involved in launching a podcast, and then you got the social media and the and the mixing, and yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't sound this beautiful out of the gate. So there's a lot of um, effects work. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you. Got got a whole lot of filters you like layering on there. Yeah. Like, yeah. Put, yeah. Actually, I'll, I'll turn it off, and now my voice. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's um, I've I've got a little mini challenge for myself every week. Where with the covers, I will try and generate a new cover. Right. Um, that way you've got you're learning different executions without setting yourself too big a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. But um, once the show wraps up for you, let's get back to you and your career. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like Rach and I haven't seen each other for a while, so we're having a bit of a catch. Oh, and a reverse interview. I'll try, reverse I'll try, interview. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. try and sneak in a few, a few questions. Uh, Rachel was saying before that um, need a bit more of what I'm doing, so she's going to hit me up and um, throw me some curveballs throughout mm, the show. I'll try. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. If anyone knows how to embarrass me on the show, I think it might be you. <laughs> Remember a few things. Yeah. Um, so when the show does wrap up, is there anything after the delivery of the show 
or is that it till the new season starts? Uh, that, that's it, basically, until, yeah, they decide what's going on. And yep. that's a, just a yearly process with stars. Yeah. Mm. So stars, who are they? And There's a big American company that produced a lot of shows. I think Black Sails is one of their bigger ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, and they've probably got heaps more. The American Gods that just came out as a star show. I've only seen a couple of episodes. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Um, the opening titles is something that I ramble on about for oh, the last yeah. few episodes. So, yeah. I missed those episodes. The opening titles of American Gods is awesome, which is done by... Better uh, than Game of Thrones? Are we going to... Yeah. Yeah? yeah? Just well, Game of Thrones is getting a little bit older now. But still, you've got to take the like initial concept, concept yeah. and go, you know, you've seen so many seasons of Game of Thrones yeah. now, so you're a bit tired of it. But their initial... It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's been ripped off, I suppose, so much since yeah. then. So I've seen it a few times. Um, I really, really like Patrick Clear as a motion designer who um, designed Game of Thrones. So um, Westworld were my favorite titles. Oh, yeah. And he's the same designer for them. Yeah. And now um, American Gods is my favorite at the moment. But um, we'll talk about some of our inspiration videos I've been looking at a lot of the festivals. This is when some really cool titles and motion design come out for for festivals. Yeah. Because companies are like, oh, I get a chance to play. Yeah, yeah, and just put something out there that's a bit different sometimes. Yeah, it's a little bit more artistic and a little bit freaky-deaky because with the show title, it still has to communicate what the show is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so... Getting back to you and your career. Once again. <laughs> <laughs> a little segue. I've, I'm, I've known you basically since you were studying at um, media, design. media Design School, and um, I've seen you go through different phases and different career paths. As a woman working in the industry, I think that it'd be really cool to talk about some of the challenges and um, that you've sort of seen or um, your view of the industry. I was talking about this with um, my workmates just before I came here, and we're actually running um, our VFX in-house team. Is it 50-50, male-female at the moment? But there's only two of them, so yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So so, so get one more, and it's like, yeah, (laughs) 75-25. Yeah, yeah. and that's the same with our post. uh, There's a post-viz team as well as the VFX team, and they're running at 50-50 at the moment as well. That's cool. Yeah, and... We'll probably run a second review team when we we get down to the tighter end of the schedule and looking at bringing in another few females and we might end up with a... The room I'm currently in is me and four guys, but with the second review team, will it be a bit better ratios? Yeah. I find it interesting. I haven't really noticed being like a, a female in the male dominated industry i mean at when i was at 99 we had amanda who was is is was i don't know the head so if she was head of a post-production she's yeah, now it's she's called now post why, why yeah, yeah. I, I made up a title for myself i am head of motion head of motion <laughs> yeah i like that because we have um a craft department and i was like i really like that one word and it's like if we had to use one word. It's like, what would it be? So you like, don't want to be head of craft. I don't want to be head of post. It's like, I'm going to get everyone's delivery. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
it's, no, but um, so the companies that you've worked in in New Zealand coming through, there has been a good balance of females in the industry? Probably not a good balance, but I just haven't noticed that. I mean, in 99, so there was Amanda and myself, and then we had Stu and a couple of other guys. So it was probably, a, you know, decent um, ratio there. Uh, La Luna we had, uh, was me, but there was also Christina who was the head. So it's usually females end up in sort of head yeah. organising roles and you have a lot of artists end up being male, but it seems to shift. Like different production houses have, I don't know, yeah. different different amounts. I've, I've seen that um, producers... Because you, you haven't tend to be had females. I've never had a male producer at FCB. No, but you haven't had. Oh, you had me freelancing, and you've had freelance females in there. I, I always try and have um, female freelancers if they are available. Yeah, um, I've found that it's just the the ratio of numbers don't add up. Yeah. Like there's a smaller pool of females who are working in post production or motion design or color grading. Actually, and freelancing. on doing the work rather than yeah. organizing the work. Yeah, so um, I've had um, a few female um, motion designers and VFX artists working for us, but we've never had um, another woman join the team full-time, which is... And we've just been recruiting, and... um, What's the ratio of, like, a... Applicants and things? Um, In graduates, I find that the ratio is quite good. Yeah. Um, I find that the intermediates, it's really out, out of balance. And I don't know if that's a generational thing that people coming through now, mm. that there is a better ratio or, and, or if um, the challenges are meaning that there are just less females in the roles later on. I really yeah. don't know. But I think it's, it's um, something that's really clear in the business that I'm at, that we want the equality to be there. Yeah. So opportunities. It's a big talking point at the moment. It really is. Yeah. And I think that um, it's a big talking point in post-production generally. And um, at NAB, there was a lot of discussions about having um, panels with uh, women talking at a professional level and that they're there. And if you do have a male-dominated panel, there's no excuse for that. Mm. I think there's a lot of excuses put out there that it's hard to find people to talk on these panels, and that's not true. Yeah, you just have to look a bit harder sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, I don't know about the ratio of VFX supervisors. Like, I haven't met, had any other, or had a female VFX onset soup, or, yeah, that's been a strictly male-dominated role that I've seen. And artists on the tools? Well, like, we've got... 50-50 that we're running now. I don't know about... I don't know, DigiPost are running... They've, there's a few girls in their team because I see them regularly, but I'm not too sure about the other post houses that we yeah. use. So. Yeah, it'd be interesting to um, reach out and get some other people to have a bit of a clearer idea of is it that... Um, is it a New Zealand thing that we're a bit different to the States? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it's it like an industry-wide. Yeah. But that's the thing. I come, I'm like a gamer from way back. And it's being a female gamer was, you know, that was being a real, 
you know, you don't get many girls who'll willingly play Tekken for four or five hours. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, it's just what people are into. I think there's a lot more female gamers now than there was back in the 90s. Yeah. Which makes me sound really old. <laughs> and talking about Tekken, which is the new one's just been released. Uh, I'll start talking about landing land games, party, <laughs> land parties. Yeah, they're all into their VR games now. All the, oh, all I love the VR. Yeah? Yeah, have you got one? No, um, looking at getting it for production. Uh, for H- some testing. Yeah? Yeah. Five or... Yeah, thinking, but hey, might as well just get a couple, you know. Yeah, Unity. Uh, what? What? It, what? I don't know. Unreal and Unity are both quite strong with different um, benefits. Really, uh, I, th- I, yeah, programming's not my strong suit. Yeah. So yeah, that's probably the biggest challenge. Uh, but I think that um, in America, I know that there's a lot of programmers out there who are developing, especially in the universities, and they're really looking for people with a good sense of design. Yeah. So I think globally, programming is not the issue. Good design inside these experiences are. But um, coming to it fresh at a... Um, okay, I'm not straight out of the gates. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if now is the best time in my career to start trying to learn how to um, program as well. You know, I've done basic scripting and butchered a few scripts here and there. Oh, I reckon if you get into it, it's not too too late in your career. (laughs) Old dogs, new tricks. Yeah. It's it's um, getting back to what you were saying before. I think AR, AR is really going to be um, an explosion. You like AR? I don't like. I'm not into AR. I don't I, like. Yeah, I think that when AR isn't about a mobile phone or glasses, mm. but when it's applied to other things like um, windshields of autonomous vehicles, <laughs> but through mirrors. Yeah. Is that whole? <laughs> What I, what I don't like about AR is having uh, your actual environment polluted with this digital content and you don't get to actually experience mm. r- real life. So you got your whole real life and your augmented yeah. life sort of mixing over. In my mind, I'd like to keep that separate, which is why I like VR, because you put on the headset or whatever it becomes in the future and you are in a place which is you've chosen for it to be like a digital world and you're doing a digital experience rather than having just basically more advertising bombarded or, you know, that whole stats thing of like seeing people's Facebook fly around above their head or their, you know, updates above, I don't know. No, I definitely hear what you're saying. It's a good point. Uh, I think about when we're out experiencing this world and so many people have this phone in between them and the experience. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's a very valid point. I suppose I'm I'm the optimist that sees how it could benefit and enhance life somewhat. S- some some experiences, yeah. 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 I was, th- I was um, uh, making a coffee today, and that could have been helped with air. <laughs> I was saying because <laughs> it's a new co- well. We're renovating the building, so oh, yeah. um, I haven't used this machine for a couple of months, 
And I was like, oh, I have to get back into it because this milk is going <laughs> a bit skew with. I was like, now AR could tell me exactly the height and the angle to hold the milk. So I was thinking So I could like a little picture on the side of the thing. You could say, you need to tilt it two degrees to the right. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm thinking that little things like this could improve life. Yeah, practical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if the audience members want to make that a reality, oh, I'm yeah, not going to trademark that. No. <laughs> <laughs> you want your audience members to weigh in on like AR versus VR. I'm quite yeah. interested in that whole movement and like developing a VR experience at the moment, which is a sci-fi kind of thing thing mm-hmm. and just the process of learning about sound design with your VR and and leading people through the experience because if you want to have that portability and movement within your experience then you've got to have these triggers and have yeah. different ways of experiencing. Yeah and seeing that coming through in the software it's only just starting with mm. um, the Ambisonics audio and premiere. Yeah, it's, and, and it's like this that. magic zone of um, and getting past the six degrees yeah. so you can have depth to your objects without yeah. them, you know, feeling planar, like a, planar like a, basically, yeah. with like the old little shifty comp and after effects where you get that little parallax going on. Which I'm really interested to see what Facebook comes out because they had a lot of announcements earlier in the year at their conference yeah. about the six degrees of freedom cameras. And Have you seen some of them? Like pictures of them, they're massive. Yeah. They're like these giant, and you just know that in five years' time they're going to like be half the size. Yeah, and I think that's the thing that they they made it open source, and you can build them. But mm. the reality is, no one did, and so now they're looking for um, for partners rather than just open sourcing it. Yeah. So it, it's still taking a while for this journey to ramp up. I think. I yeah. feel. Yeah, I, no. I know I say I think and I feel a lot on this show. So just <laughs> Your feelings. <laughs> I feel a lot. <laughs> um, mm. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see with shows, long-form shows, the different types of content that they're creating to promote the shows in these spaces in the mm. future as well. Yeah. It's, have you noticed with the marketing that they're sort of looking at extra things that they can be creating along the way as well or is that just a completely separate area of the business uh, i think it'd be completely separate to what what we're just involved in the production of the show and rob's got his own ideas and plans but yeah, yeah. yeah. but you see it in like shortland street's just done a an experience with i think they had to build the fourth the fourth wall <laughs> yeah. so that they could do you know 360 of down the corridors yeah and, yeah yeah, it's um, gone with the days of just sitting on the couch and. <laughs> yeah, but that's good. It's kind of like the getting involved. Yeah, with the uh, with Ash, where is that show being delivered to? Uh, it plays in the states, so it's on air cable. Yeah, yeah, and you can watch it. I think I saw season two on the Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, cool! What's that called? I don't know. On Sky. On Sky, yeah. 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 So if you're starting out in this industry now, what would what do you think would be an area of interest or an area that you think would be really worthwhile going into straight off the bat? Or would you be interested in following the path that you've had already? If I was 
to do my one over. Yeah, yeah. Like you're actually um, graduating from media design school right now and all this technology and new career paths that are available. It's, it's amazing that you can actually do 3D in high school now and you have that option, which is, you know, I didn't see a 3D program until I was, you know, older than... 20 or around about then and you know then that was so expensive that you couldn't get into it and now I mean I'm about to sign my son up to a movie making holiday course for a year so it's and the podcasts and all of the things that I listen to they always say just go out and do it and yeah. just make things so you can make your mistakes so you can learn more yeah. and yeah. I mean that's the the basics of it is you've got to be in there and doing it and it doesn't matter how you're doing it and everyone's got a different pathway whether or not you end up in motion graphics and advertising or in filmmaking or making your own shorts and you've got to be doing it so don't sit there and go oh I'm going to do that one day it's like just try something meet people who like doing it and get involved really yeah I, I like using the term, and I think I might have coined this myself. Oh, yeah. Run it, run at your mistakes. Running <laughs> head first, get head there. first, get crash through them. Yeah, because you make a really good point that you will make them, but they're the things that you actually learn from the most. Yeah, not a tutorial that teaches you step by step how to do it perfectly, because no one's ever going to ask you to make that. <laughs> no, well, yeah, because someone's already made it. And it's the um, bringing your own personal touch to it as well. So you take, you know, the creativity of taking what you've learned and applying it to new situations and positions and creating prettier pictures or, you know, better compositing. It just depends on what what your interests are because there's nothing worse than doing a job you don't like. Yeah. Yeah. So many cool opportunities now um, for those who are just entering the industry. And really, this it's quite overwhelming, I think, with looking out at what is possible. Mm. And like, like you said, only once you start on that journey of actually doing some of it, that you'll start cementing some thoughts for yourself about where you want to head. So, yeah. Yeah, and finding out what you like and what you don't like. Yeah. I mean, I learnt my 3D and motion graphics but I always wanted to produce and be the person who looks after a whole project and, you know, nurses it through to make yeah. it, get it to final. And But knowing the tools is makes you better at getting things through because you can talk the technical terms or you can jump on and do a 3D post-fits asset just because it needs to be done and help out within the production yeah yeah very very cool and now it's time for the pro video picks Rach do you have a pick to share with the listeners I had thought about this and just at the moment I'm focused in process and tracking a lot of data so my picks at the moment are Shotgun and FileMaker which are what I use every day cool cool I really liked Shotgun when it first came out, and I looked. Do you at use it? it? No, no, because we're just not that focused on the VFX side. Uh, we use other review tools, yeah, um, which is more aimed at different media as well. 
my pro video pick for this week is the pro video podcast facebook group it's brand new it's been going for a, only a week um we have had a great week with uh 250 members joining in that first week and so i'd love for you, all the people who have been enjoying the show to search for us on facebook join the group leave a comment tell us what you think of the show Tell me the subjects that you want to hear on the show. Tell me if you want to be on the show. All of this, I'd really love to um, hear from you. So please jump on the Facebook group and um, share it with your friends too. You know, all those all those friends who are in a similar business who you think would enjoy this show, jump on in. Sweet. So, Rach, uh, inspirational video. Do I didn't. Have- I didn't have one at the moment. I just been spend my whole time watching <laughs> my show, the best show ever, um, which is Evil Dead. And because I'm watching these episodes over and over again, I tend not to watch a lot of other things apart from Handmaid's Tale and it's so good, Twin Peaks. And I've just discovered that it's actually 18 episodes and I've started it way too early and I can no longer binge. Uh, so you're going to have to go on hiatus until yes. October. And well, then- <laughs> yeah, it's that, it's that thing. It's like you normally start watching, well, I normally start watching in about six, when they've got six episodes in. So I've like, yeah. by the time the last one comes out, it's like, I'm, like yeah. I'm there. But now I'm like, oh, we're up to like six and I've got a whole lot more to go, 14. It's like it won't be finished till October. Yeah, we just finished watching Orange is the New Black. Yeah. Looking forward to some great new shows, but... um. Handmaid's Tale, that's so cool. Yeah. Really enjoyed that. Um, my inspirational video is the semi-permanent titles. This is, um, like I was saying earlier, actually, it ties into this pick quite a lot. They're quite stunning. They are made by Framestore and starts out with a landscape and it's very eerie, very um, monochromatic but it develops and keeps developing and transitioning into new new stages. What I really love is the transitions between the different sections, how they tie together, but how they're also very different as well. So amazing title sequence. So I'll share that with all the other show links from this episode. Check those out in your favorite podcatcher or come and visit the um, Facebook page and we'll have all the show note links there as well. Rach, online inspiration. Who are you following online? Uh, at the moment, I am following. I listen to podcasts. Yours, of course. Excellent. Yes, you're and, the listener. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I regularly listen to No Film School, Indie Wire, and they're on the page. It's this. It's about writing a woman in America. I can't remember her name. I can't pronounce her name off the top of my head. Um, and uh, she gives just good writing advice and pitching advice, and it's the basics. So you've got to have a good story to have a good project, really. And so having her talk about the different aspects of what's good in writing is really helpful across the board for, you know, every even your 10-second clip has a story to it you know you want to start somewhere and end up somewhere else so it's kind of a global truth I suppose yeah it's um no matter what it is if it doesn't start with a good idea and it's well constructed and written yeah doesn't have a backstory yeah yeah it's just pretty pictures really 
So, yeah, awesome. Um, I definitely follow No Film School, but some of those other podcasts I'll have to check out. Sounds very interesting. Although I spend way too much time listening to myself on these ones. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So you're the listener. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the person, well, the site that I would like to put is actually a website, a training school, and also a podcast too. And that is School of Motion. Joey from School of Motion is going to be on a future episode. He's agreed to do that. And so I'm really looking forward to have him on. He's running boot camps on the School of Motion. Um, That's for motion design, graphic design, character rigging, and uh, really intense. So this is pretty much going parallel to what the brick and mortar schools are offering, where he's got top trainers in. And the whole construct is that you go into Frame.io and you can watch these tutorials, but you're also in there with your classmates and there's different Slack groups with the trainers. Ooh, Slack groups. Yeah, Slack groups. And check out the Pro Video Podcast Slack group. I'll put a link to that one as well. a Slack group? I've got a Slack group, oh, yeah. Really? Check out the show links on the episode you're listening to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and Slack groups are great because you can just fire out a, uh, I'm trying to make fur, how do you do that? And then someone will go, well, I've done this, I've done that. And um, normally people will throw up a couple of files too to, to start you off. So, yeah, help you out. Yeah, Slack groups are awesome because it's different to Facebook, which is a little bit more open where Slack groups feel like a closed circuit. Um, community, that community that you've had yeah. to join and exactly like-minded. Yeah, so um, School of Motion the trainers that they've got on there are top-notch industry. They're really talented, and I think it would actually, if you're passionate about developing these skills, the fastest way to get in um, up your uh, own knowledge. So I really encourage you to check it out. The boot camps sell out really fast. Um, they've just gone on sale this week, and the spots, I think, are almost all, all taken they are really hard to get into because they are such great content. So looking forward to having Joey on the show. But um, check out the website because there's a heap of free stuff. And the weekly newsletters come out on a Monday and a Friday. They have Freelance Friday and they have Motion Monday. And there's heaps of great content in, in those as well. And so finally, Rach, where can people follow you online? Uh, you can't. You can't? <laughs> you can't. I'm not online. No. But I'm always interested in finding um, new new artists. So if anyone actually listens this far to me, this long, <laughs> they, I will put my uh, work email address up and, yeah. Cool. Happy to hear from people with their reels. Awesome. Mm. Um, so great opportunity. I know I've been looking at where listeners are from and they're from all over the world. Um, Slovenia... Uh, Texas, United Kingdom, everywhere. Um, I've just started looking at the stats of that. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. And if you want to come and live in New Zealand, send Rach an email with your show reel and outlining what your nuke skills are. And um, yeah, and send us an email too if you do land a job and um, you can come on the Pro Video Podcast as well in the studios. <laughs> yeah, I definitely encourage you to... Um, Reach out because New Zealand is a great place to experience for a year if you are looking to do some work. And those who who are in New Zealand already and looking to 
work in long form, doing some great VFX, utilizing your new skills, I highly recommend you to reach out to Rachel as well. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been fun. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. It, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a casual conversation. Try and keep it professional, which is always good. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for coming on and look forward to um, catching up again. Thanks, Rachel, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Blair. All right. See you guys and girls. Bye. Bye.